Hello and welcome back to uh, Maggot with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast starring Joe Ford. Say hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. And also starring our special guest, Stephen Alexander. Say hello, Stephen Alexander. Hello, Stephen Alexander. Are you happy to be on this podcast? I've got a question for you, Stephen. Oh, really? What is that, Stephen? Oh, Why are you letting my... Joe get a word in? You bitch. Oh, my God. That was staggeringly accurate. Well done. <laughs> well done. You I've better watch out, because otherwise I'll do an impression of you. All right? Oh, shit. <laughs> No, because then I'd have to be like super too like bloody smart and charismatic, and I really can't do that. Um, okay, so we are here for what? What are we watching today? Uh, we are watching the part four of the Green Death, and uh, at the end of part three, you may remember our beloved uh, Joe Grant, um, who seems to uh, be gaining affections for this Cliff Jones, which is all very concerning. Um, she was be about to be attacked by a giant maggot. Maggot. A giant maggot. This is getting slightly It's erotic. all quite scary. This so, is getting, uh, well, no, that was, getting, to... that was getting slightly erotic there for a second. You say <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Do you, do you think every time, like, because obviously Susan kisses David in The Dalek yep. Invasion of Earth and she leaves. Joe yep. Grant almost kisses Professor Jones in this. And she, is a kiss between a companion and a guest character a signal that the companion's off? Yes. Uh, I like when Leela holds hands with Andred briefly oh, and she leaves. I know, but they are on Gallifrey. It's very chaste on Gallifrey, you know. <laughs> Holding hands Romana, is the equivalent of intercourse. Romana kisses K9 and she leaves. <gasps> she does. Oh, my God. Anyone else? Hang on. Uh, does Perry Perry uh, oh no oh. Perry gets her brain removed and she leaves she ain't kissing Brian blessed I'm telling you now uh, right I think we should all take a minute to imagine that no my word oh my word Brian blessed um, sorry so I... she, 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 she would just be exploded by Brian blessed's yeah. presence she would be blown away I mean, what is the worst of fate there? Having your brain removed or being wedded to Brian? <laughs> uh, yeah, people say, so that bit at the end of um, Trial of a Time was supposed to make it all good, isn't it? But it's not, it's worse. But do you know what, right? I don't know if you've ever, as a complete diversion from the Green Death here, but have you ever read Brian Bless's autobiography? I've read Absolute Pandemonium, which is the one where he yeah. talks about all the animals he's owned in his life which is like 400 he's got a big ranch with a million different animals in it i'm read I, he's got other he's got other autobiographies and if you listen to him in um interviews what is is the most intensely interesting man and oh, and yeah. he's done more in his life than i'll do any you know in 10 if i lived my life 10 times i wouldn't do as much as brian blessed and you know I can tell this man, you know, can tell spin a yarn and maybe add about 30% on top of what actually happened. Yeah. Even so, what a life he's had. Like, I've been, I think he's pretty we went, compelling. We, we went to see him do a talk um, oh, about man. five or six years ago, just after he'd had heart surgery. And he, he you know, I mean, like, he said, that, um, oh, I've had heart surgery and now everything's great. Sorry, I'm actually going to do. 
I've had heart surgery and now I'm ready to go to the moon. Yes, next year I will be going to the moon. We all believed it. It's bullshit. We all well, believed it just because it's Brian. Well, you want to believe it, don't you? He's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know what? I, I, despite everything, I think he gives a terrific performance in my walk. Um, well, he also, of course, gives one of the greatest performances in TV history as the uh, emperor, the first emperor in uh, I, Claudius. Have you seen I, Claudius, Joe? I thought you were going to say his performance in Flash Gordon, which is very memorable as well. I have not seen I, Claudius, no, and that is a shocking oversight on my part. Oh, my. We're, we're re-watching it now, um, and it is, um, it is the best the best TV programme I've made. <gasps> oh, there's a contentious <coughs> remark. The best TV show ever made. Best TV show ever made. Yes, I Claudius. Oh, or as uh, as it's properly known, more properly known, one cloud divs. Well, I tell you what, I will, I will absolutely get on that. See, I'd make a, a stab at saying Tenko is one of the best TV shows ever made. Have you ever watched that? Oh shit! Yeah. That, but then the Secret Army. Uh, I, I, you could also make a very good stab at saying that's the best TV. What about Doctor Who? Nah, what a load of shit. Honestly. Oh god. Oh, should we do a fucking episode of Doctor Bloody Who? Oh, all right. But only on the promise that our Secret Army, I Claudius, and Tenko podcast will be coming very soon. Very soon. Okay. And <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call this podcast the best TV show ever made, and it will be about a different a different TV show every week. Oh god, yes, yes. Let's definitely do that. And do you know what I think you could do? If you did an episode mm -hmm. about Doctor Who, the evidence you could put forth is the Green Death. <sighs> definitely, definitely. It's a classic. <laughs> Shall we skip into episode four? I think we better had. We're doing a lot of skipping today. Let's go. I've started a new uh, recording block. So if you want to count us in. Okay, I will count us in in five, four, three, two, one, go. Off we go. Yes, so I have met John Pertwee uh, some many years ago, around about the time of the 30th anniversary. Um, and I, well, maybe I was lucky, maybe he does lots of conventions, lots of people have met him actually, but, um, he, it was a big signing event and it was the, at the Harlequin Centre in Watford, which is a big, uh, shopping centre, still there, it's called Into now, it's a bit rubbish, it was better when it was the Harlequin Centre. Mm -hmm. Um, and anyway, so it was, it was a huge day and there were like masses of queues to see John Pertwee. He was so unbelievably popular and everybody wanted something signed. Um, which is hard to believe because I just didn't think there were that many Doctor Who fans in Watford, but obviously there were people coming from all over. Um, and I actually went in the queue twice because uh, I think I got um, was it I got my novelisation of Terror of the Autons signed. The I think it's got a different title. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and I got a couple of other things signed. But I actually, my mum, we went shopping afterwards. My mum bought me the Three Doctors, and I went back and got that signed at the end. And my, my rubbish anecdote of meeting John Pertwee was, um, I said to him, hello. Uh, and he said, what's your name? He said, I'm Stephen. And this was at the end of the day. So I thought it was at the back of the queue. So I said, I'm Stephen and I'm the last. And he said, oh, what did you say, Peter? I said, no, no, Stephen. And, uh, and, then, and then I wasn't the last person either. So, um, yeah, there we go. Hang on, um, did he sign it, Peter? No, he didn't sign oh, it, Peter. I corrected him. <laughs> Do you know what, right? So I've heard a few people tell me stories about meeting John Pertwee, 
Yours yep. is the first one that it has been. It sounded like it was an entirely positive experience. Oh, okay. Um, I think he was uh, like. I mean, he'd been signing for hours and was probably absolutely exhausted yeah. uh, by the end of the day. Um, but I, it, it was it was amazing to see him, and he, you know, he's one of these people you just you know you recognise him. You got to you can the charisma pours off him in that kind of way. Um, yeah, it was it was. I, I'm pleased to have met him. I'm pleased to have his signature. Can I let you in on a little secret, right? Yeah. So uh, whilst I would not want to meet people being horrible in real life, when I hear stories of actors being like complete divas. I just, I, have, I just love them a bit more. They just feel like real people to me. Then you know, it's like Tom Baker behaving like a monster on set. John Pertwee in the Dimensions and Time thing, where he's like, oh, "Caroline, are you going to do it like that?" You know, like um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, it makes them feel more real to me. Uh, it, it, it is, it is, I, and it makes a, a fun story. You know, I, I met this person; they were really nice. This is good. I met this person; they were an absolute shit. I couldn't believe it. That's a lot more fun, isn't it? Well, so I've heard, you know, a lot of people say to me that they've met Doctor Who actors and they've had a fantastic, like, Camille Kajuri. Mm. Whereas I saw Camille Kajuri at Utopia and I saw her behave fairly appallingly towards a couple of uh, elderly Doctor Who fans uh, when she thought no one was in the room. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I guess experience is subjective. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, yes. Did the Brigadier just patronise a Welshman? Oh, yeah, but he patronised him because he was working class, not because he was Welsh. And doesn't the Brigadier patronise everyone? That's true. Well, most people patronise the Brigadier at this point, let's be honest. That's true. Actually, Uh, you said you had some things to say about the Brigadier, but I think this might be where his renaissance kind of starts. Because in The Three (laughs) Doctors, I mean, he's a fucking idiot, isn't he, in The Three Doctors? Well, that, this is my brigadier theory, is that um, he's going along and it is, you know, it's tough being the brigadier and looking after the unit. It's really tough because you've got people dying all the time. You're dealing with alien invasions. You never know what's going to happen. The doctor treats you like absolute shit. Um, and he's the only person who can save the world. Mm. Um, and I think it's really wearing on him. But the scene where he snaps is where he goes into the TARDIS for the first time and sees what's going on in there. And I think he, he actually genuinely loses his mind. Um, and it leads to him eventually uh, going and working for a boys' school. Um, and the story at this point is that he's holding on to his power and position as Brigadier, but the people in charge of him are aware that he's making worse and worse and stranger decisions and that he's just like, he's not got it anymore. He's lost it. So you think he's having a nervous breakdown at this point? He's in the throes of an absolute mental crisis. Um, and Steve, would it, it surprise you to know that this is the most the, the intriguing uh, reading of the Brigadier that I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably think about these things too much. Um, but I think I, if you notice, like the number of staff he has to look after gets less and less and less <laughs> as it goes on. Because they're just like saying, well, actually, let's we just move this platoon away from you. Let's move these people away from you. By Planet of the Spiders, he's got Benton and he's got Pat Gorman to clean the cars and that's it. That's all he's got left. He's murdering uh, people left, right and centre with his terrible choices. <laughs> Let's just get him out of there quick. But exactly. He does have a great line in this. where Because he has been characterised in the Time Monster and in the Three Doctors 
a bit like it's it's all very comical, isn't it? And mm. and he's you know flustered and bewildered by everything. Whereas in this, he gets that great line where he's put Yates in as the as the stooge in Global Chemicals, and he's like, "Well, I'm not yep. such a bloody dunderhead as you all thought. Like I can make <laughs> yes. I can make savvy, you know, authoritative decisions." Yes, you can. Yes. Oh, actually, we're here now because this is the point. Oh my God, it's the master! It's definitely the guy from the ministry is coming in. It's got to be the master. Oh no, it's That's Richard. Where Franklin. he always comes in in the story, and oh no, it's Mike Yates. Can I tell you a story about Richard Franklin? Um, no, they're all horrible. No, it's not horrible. It's okay, tell me a nice story about Richard Franklin. It's very funny. So I okay. went to I went to the Utopia convention, right? And my mate Mark had a picture taken with Richard Franklin. And I don't know what happened, but Mark, for some reason, looks absolutely terrified, like a rabbit caught in headlights, okay? And Richard Franklin decided to do this, like, weird child catcher-style pose where he looks like he's creeping up out on, on him out of the TARDIS. And the picture's just ghoulish. It's terrifying. You know what he did? He probably stuck it to the TV in the night. And the moonlight came through the window on this picture of Richard Franklin looking like he's coming at me out of the dark. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bloody terrifying. That is. It, that is uh, I, I have you asked? Is he a good actor? I can't tell. He's very good as Mike Yates. I think um, he, he he must be a good actor. He must be quite a good actor. But he he, he, he does bring Mike Yates to life. And he is, he is that character. Um, particularly as things happen to him and his character changes, I think I think that works really well. Uh, and don't forget to ask Cy Hart about the time he had his photo taken with Mike Yates. Oh, Have you heard about that one? Oh no, what happened? Ooh, well, Cy should tell you himself at some point. If there was any inappropriate touching, I don't want to know. <laughs> um, I, but I, I mean, I will say, like he's he plays like um yates as like a public schoolboy sort of character doesn't he like and, and quite yeah. a gentle soul for a soldier and like do you remember yeah. that bit in invasion of the dinosaur he's talking about you know silence falling over london and he saw a starling in trafalgar square or whatever it is um you know and he's off to the buddhist meditation center after that so he's clearly quite a sensitive guy there's a scene in this okay where it's literally Richard Franklin. It's not Mike Yates at all. And that's the bit where he rubs his hands together and goes, I got away with it. And it's so not Mike Yates. It's it's a complete, like, it takes me out of the story every single time because that's just not, he's not, he's not fun, is he? Whereas he's quite fun in that bit. I don't know. Well, because he, he, he almost went out on a date with Joe, didn't he? Except that didn't happen and was never going to happen. Um, but he's he's written as James Bond, but Bond you're Bond. right. He's played as a public schoolboy. Bond as as Richard Franklin. That that's an interesting uh, take. I'm telling you. <laughs> Do you know the bit the bit where he's like um, peak prick is R H I P in Day of the Daleks. Rank has its privileges. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that though. And I I. I but he's part of the family, isn't he? he so is. yeah, it, yeah, yeah. his strengths and weaknesses don't matter so much because he's part of that group and he fits in and he has his place. You know, he's above Benton, below the Brigadier. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't want it like he wouldn't you wouldn't want him having his own series. If he was part um, of your family, he'd be the one that comes along on Christmas Day. Right. Who's a bit serious and wants to do a poetry reading on Christmas Day. You know, that's who Yates would be. My God, has that actually happened to you? 
Oh no, my family just get pissed. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd say that would be a, a cause of considerable trauma if that had happened to you with poetry readings on Christmas Day. But interestingly, they do take him on a journey, don't they? And especially mm. in series, season 11, which is ratted on so much, but it does such interesting things with its characters, season 11, I think. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, maybe they knew that it was all coming to a close. They could actually start changing the characters and, and doing interesting things with them. And I think Mike Yates's uh, downfall and eventual um, redemption start here, don't they? Because he's he's out of the uniform again, like the Brigadier, or the Brigadier's back in the uniform now. Oh, my he's God. out being more of a, a oh, here we go, here's Gladys. It's, it's the cleaning <laughs> Ready, can we both do it? Oh, no! <laughs> All those maggot shots oh. are, are really effective, aren't they? Yeah, in the tube like that, they're, they're terrible. When you've got no, don't say it. Oh, in there. Horrible it was. <laughs> I looked in my tube got stuffed full of maggots. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's never happened in my life. <laughs> oh, my God. Benson's here. Yeah. Oh, oh. look at that. Like, uh. Oh, my oh. word. Oh, my God. Oh. That maggot coming out of the floor. <laughs> again that's a great effect that's oh no he's he's fucked isn't he Can you imagine walking along a slag heap and a bloody maggot popped out of the floor that size oh my word absolutely Very terrifying exciting. and yeah 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 again burned on people's minds I, this is the episode where it really goes into maggot mania isn't it and, and they start when, when they've been blown up and blasted across the countryside it's a shame the marketing team weren't weren't full force because you know every kid would have wanted a maggot that christmas <laughs> yeah, is there uh, a giant maggot toy now uh there is a maggot action figure um, is which is very rare and expensive oh. and comes with uh john pertwee in the nice blue and red uh blue top of red piping uh, and I think Eagle Moss have done, uh, they've, well, they've done everything, haven't they? So they've done a maggot. You know what there is, because I know you've got one. There's a hand puppet drashing, isn't there? Yes. Oh, <laughs> one of my favourites. Imagine I... being able to do drashing versus maggot in a picture. <laughs> well, you get the two terrier skulls, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Going after each other. But they weren't, though, were they, at the time? They weren't marketing Doctor Who like they do now. <laughs> Uh, were they marketing Doctor Who at all? I, you got the Dalek toys, didn't you? Um, you got, oh, I think there was a, a, there's probably a Bessie from Corgi or something. And I think they tried to do a toy of the Hoomobile, but it didn't work out. I mean, when they, um, when they dipped their toes into it in the 70s, do you remember that Leela doll? I mean, it yeah. weren't that, all that successful, was it? Uh, yeah, but I love the TARDIS magic uh, disappearing effect oh, that you can do. Have you got that? You turn the thing and they vanish. Have you got that one? No, I haven't got that one. I've got the Tom. Um, somebody bought that for me for Christmas. Um, but I haven't got any of the others. I've got to ask you a question. I'm going to come close to the mic. Um, okay. Have you seen the Jodie Whittaker TARDIS console? <laughs> I've, I've heard about the Jodie Whittaker TARDIS console. Haven't you seen the picture of it? Oh, hello. No. What? What's going on? Uh, see now that's effective as well because obviously they just put a load of genuine maggots on a bit yeah. of mud and pretended that's the slaggy but it kind of it gives it a sense of scale yes 
And I think um, I, I love the way they sort of fall down the hill in slow motion, maggoting about. <laughs> you remember <laughs> in episode one, how, rubbish creatures. How we said it was so clever that there was a, a dialogue happening between two sets of characters. Yeah. Mm. This was the opposite just a minute ago. The brigadier goes, they're all over the place. And then the doctor's on the phone and he goes, oh, well, they're all over the place. Like, it's not <laughs> subtle at all. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Steve, it's really are, odd the way he says that. There are maggots everywhere now. Mm. They, it's all got a bit out of control, hasn't it? And shooting them won't help. Well, um, just like uh, just like what's going to happen with the environment coming up very shortly. Um, why are there no female unit soldiers? Because uh, it's the seventies. Oh, come on, who is who is the greatest unit female soldier of the old series? Brigadier Winifred Bambera. Ah, sir, reporting for duty. Oh, she shame. is. <laughs> I quite like Lavelle as well before she met her sticky end. Ah, uh, Lavelle. Lavelle with her oranges that she keeps in her little ear containers. But, you um, know, people rat on Battlefield, but there's a lot of strong female characters in that, isn't there? It's uh, it's pretty good for representation, I would think. Shall Young. As far as I can make out. Shall Young. Elizabeth. Ace. Yeah. Morgan. Very woke. Very woke. Well, ah, good. I was going to ask you about that as well. Is this woke? Oh, um, it depends because I don't think anyone really knows what woke means anymore. Because no, it means I'm not different sure. Could you on. please give us a rough definition? Um, as far as I can make out, it's uh, being aware, hence woke, being aware that certain things that you do or say may have negative connotations uh for things like racism and sexism just being aware of that and trying not to do it that's my kind of like interpretation of the phrase so but... when people pin woke on a doctor who story what they're saying it's being too representative so well, it's not to offend anybody that it needs to be representative or that it should try to be representative um absolutely uh, it should try to be representative I should think so. Um, it should always, well, but then television in general, it's like um, you can't just have white men all the time. Um, so is, is the mutants woke for having cotton in it? There's a problem there because cotton's a really, the actor's really bad. Um, but, but he but is James, there in a central role. Yeah. Um, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Genesis of the Daleks woke because it has bitten the the terrorist in it? You know the 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 warrior. I don't know. I don't, I, th I think it's being it's also being aware of things like cultural appropriation. Um, so the Green Death fails <laughs> fails for being woke because it doesn't represent Welsh people particularly well. Um, uh, there's an essay in one of the About Time books uh, attached to this story, which is uh, Why Didn't Clyde Kumru Lynch Barry Letts? Mm. Uh, which basically talks about how bad the representation in this is. Oh, so, I've always wanted to drive a milk float. Oh, it's so exciting. I'll tell you what, right? There's a, there's a company called Milk and More that still yeah. delivers. When I come and visit you, right, we'll, we'll book a delivery and then we'll nick the float and go on a little journey, all right? <laughs> Can you bring the comedy moustache and glasses? Yeah, of course. I could do a good Welsh accent as well. Definitely, um, definitely. Uh, Casey Manning says in the commentary to this, because Barry Letts says, oh, maybe we were a little bit indelicate about the Welsh, and Katie mm. Manning is half Welsh. I think her mum's Welsh. 
Yeah. Um, and she says, you haven't spent any time around the Welsh. This is the Welsh. Like, you know, they they lean into the stereotypes as much as as they're saying. Well, and maybe they do. Like, I'm, I'm not sufficiently, I, I, I have Welsh friends. Mm. Um, and you know what? I did a, a, a commentary with a lovely Welsh guy called Mike, and he spent half the commentary going, well, that's well lush, that is. You know, like from Gavin <laughs> Estate, I was like, okay, so... It's it, well. It's um. It's it's well, it's, like, it's like a form of identity, isn't it? I think um. I, I do. I strike you as being particularly English. Um. I don't even know what that means, though. No. Yes, no, you do. We, you do. Yeah, yeah. Traditional English, because my grandparents on my father's side were from Poland. Okay. Um. So I do feel a kind of uh, affinity towards Polish things, although I'm not, I, I can't speak Polish. I've been there once, um, you know, uh, but I, it's, it's, not a, it's not a major part of my life. But I do, you know, I just like, appreciate, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm vaguely interested in it. Um, so yeah, so it is, it is a, an identity. And yeah, to lean into that identity gives you, it makes you, nationalism makes you special doesn't it it makes you say i'm proud of being part of this country well can i um, say i've got to be honest with you um oh i'm going to be very serious now for a second you know i am british through and through and that is a constant disappointment to me these days if i'm honest i yeah, i said to myself that brexit would never go through never i said there's no way on god's earth and i think mm. that day i fell out of love with this country and I've probably lost half my audience now, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, everybody's got opinions on Brexit. Um, uh, and I, I think, um, mm, yes, I, I think there's going to be empty supermarkets by the end of the year, isn't there, come Christmas? Uh, well, without uh, saying where I work for, I, uh, I couldn't possibly deny, or, but I, certainly the shelves are emptying at the moment. Yeah. Things things are a little bit tight, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I'm not going to go there because oh, what a shame. This is a lovely bit of serendipity between Joe and Cliff, and Joe's going off with a little bag to go and capture a maggot. You've got to love that, haven't you? You remember that Pip and Jane thing of of teaching people words, so using very antediluvian dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I learned the word serendipity from this. I, yeah. I learnt the word Eureka from the demons. Um, like <laughs> Doctor Who, no, but Doctor Who genuinely has enhanced my language. I first started reading properly when I read um, the eighth Doctor books. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, you know, as variable quality as they might be, I learnt a lot of words by reading those books. Yeah. I, 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 Doctor, uh, Doctor Who and Terence Dix in particular have done so much for literacy um, and it's it's not well recognised because no. there's people like you and me um, who have just tanked through hundreds of Target novels, picking up words and dialogue, understanding basic stories and so on and so forth. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think that that is something that should be more widely recognised, these, these kind of like getting into these stories. And they're not... Um, they're not the highest form of literature, but I think they're they're very good and they do try hard. They're not as trashy as some other novels that you could mention or for some other series. If that range of book provoked even one child 
to fall in love with reading, they more than did their job. Yeah. Well, um, I read I read continuously now, and I read much more widely than Doctor Who, obviously, because I'm 42, I've read all the Doctor Who books. Um, and, and yeah, I think a large part of that came from reading the Target novels and, uh, and various other things. I think I'd probably still be a good reader without Doctor Who, but it really cemented it. Steve, how old are you? 42. Okay, I have long suspected this, <laughs> but the meaning of the universe and life and everything is you. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it. Um, John Pertwee's in drag. Yeah, it suits him. I, 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 but he just like it suits him. It's, it's effortless. It's like he he's he's so natural in it. It it, it he doesn't he doesn't seem uncomfortable or. But this is also because I think Pertwee is generally quite a serious doctor. He has comic moments, mm. but usually the comedy is taking the piss out of how petulant or you know how authoritarian he's being. Whereas he's yeah. actually having fun in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is, isn't he? He's um, he's well. I say, let his hair down. He's dressing up. He's doing all the fun things he likes. I mean, this is like um, the second Doctor was supposed to be dressing up all the time mm. and uh, always having a funny costume on until they got bored with it after the Underwater Menace. I would like um, a hat like that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of anything more Joe Grant than writing a note that says "Gone to get you a maggot" and then going off with a cat basket? <laughs> I, mean, she, I mean, she doesn't always make the savviest of choices, does she? Yeah. Oh, oh God. I love to imagine that um, after she went off to the Amazon with Cliff, that she was doing stuff like that all the time. And Cliff was always finding notes and going, oh, no, what's she up to now? <laughs> look, I found, look what I found under a rock, this massive poisonous spider. Look, it's in my hands. <laughs> Put it down, Joe. Oh, my God. The doctor's heading up now to see the boss. I'm slightly disappointed that the person behind all this environmental chaos and all this horribleness is a computer, a mad computer. I think it would possibly be more effective if it was just humans in this story. Right. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I get that. Um, no, boss is great. Love it. Fantastic computer. But sometimes you just need to say mankind did this this is us this is on us um and uh, I mean, you know maybe the doctor needs to have a little thing to the camera at the end <laughs> well i mean in season of series 12 they do two environmental stories don't they and yeah. interestingly i don't think they push it any more than here really As, no. aside from maybe that last scene in orphan 55 but it's a message worth saying to people and I think the people yes. that object to it, like some people objected to it here, are those that actually they don't they don't want to listen. They don't they don't want to change their ways, you know. And I can't I, I cannot understand the mindset that is not concerned about the environment to the point where they realise that we need to make huge changes because it is so it seems so obvious. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, you, you can look at some of the environmental events that have been happening around the world and say, oh, yeah, well, it's a, it's a one-off or it's unusual. But when we had, um, the other year in the UK, we had a four-week heat wave of about 35 to 40 degrees. Yeah. Something's up. Um, you know, uh, parts of America are on fire. 
Um, you've the, got the bushfires in Australia. They, they, yeah, they're literally yeah. catching fire over there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying, and the thought that these these events are just going to escalate and keep escalating, even even if we stop everything now, even if we just stop, they're still going to happen because the systems, the global systems of uh, of weather and climate. Uh, you, you can't turn them around in a day. It would take, you know, it's going to take decades of effort to even to even take the edge off it. Um, and and we've done nothing. We've, can I, can I ask well, you a question got, got, then? What's the solution? I have no idea. Um, I think. And do you know what? I at... find that terrifying because you are a smart man and you have clearly thought about this a lot. I don't know what would persuade the right people to do the right things um, at this point, because we've tried, you know, there's, it's, the, the evidence is there, you know, <laughs> we just need to do more. You do realise what this podcast has become. We're like the equivalent of those um, nuclear fallout adverts in the 80s. <laughs> We're all doomed. It's more, it's more terrifying than threads, this podcast. <laughs> Only when you're on it, mate, honestly. <laughs> but no, okay. Um, this is a Doctor Who story that has provoked this conversation. It's doing mm. something right. Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily get that with Planet of the Daleks. Don't you stop writing on Planet of the Daleks. Somewhere <laughs> I love on this, Planet of the Daleks. Somewhere on this planet, there are 10,000 Daleks. But it's, it aims to entertain... This is aiming to do something else. This is aiming at educating and also giving out an important message as well at the same time. And, and yet, I and think I, I don't. It's like I don't think just Doctor Who should do that. I think lots of TV programs should do that. Yeah, and I think it, perhaps the television climate that we're in now, there's a little less of the education and a little too much of the entertainment. I don't think entertaining people is wrong. Mm. But uh, uh, there's a little less substance, maybe. Yeah, yeah, because everything, uh, it, education is, isn't something that happens just when you're at school or just when you, you want to learn. Education is your whole life. Everything teaches you about how to behave, about how to be a person. And that happens whether you're watching telly or reading a book or even watching, you know, even watching something like Footballers Wives or Mrs. Brown Boys. They're still educating you about the way people behave and there's a responsibility that goes with that that i think um sometimes gets lost and gets forgotten um well i'll i'll, I'll take two two television series as an example i've literally only got a minute so i better be quick um orphan 55 and an episode of naked attraction yeah orphan 55 is is complained about left right and center because it is trying to extend a message to its audience that we have to do better yeah, naked attraction is slapping a load of willies and fannies all over your telly and letting you laugh at it, and no one's objecting about that at all. And yet, there's probably more people watching naked attraction than there are watching. It, I, the priorities are wrong, I think, and I think the objections are in the wrong place. Yeah, but it how like for most people how like the, the mindset is like i just wanted to watch that to be entertained and if there's fannies and wheelies that sounds like fun i'll watch that you know um and people don't like being or don't necessarily like being challenged not all the time and it's really hard it's really tough to to to, to get those messages in 
and you know um all from 55 if you listen to pete lambert that's highly entertaining if you listen to everybody else yeah not so much <laughs>